0: And I would also ask you to each take out uh, the sheet that you will find in your worship guide. That's what we're going to be referring to today. We will read this passage in a a moment in the context of our Vision 2017. Now, here's the other thing about uh, asking you to take out the Vision 2017. Uh, I, I know Presbyterians. Presbyterians read ahead. Let, let me encourage you as much as possible to stay with me and I think you'll get more out of this and you have plenty of time to, to read later and, uh, and that way, because what, what we're going to do is I'm going to read some of it and explain some and, and that type of a thing. Now, uh, starting tomorrow, uh, the double-wide trailers where our youth have met for the last ten years or so, are going to be moved away. I'm sorry. We don't know. (laughs) Uh, We don't know exactly which day, but uh, uh, they will, Lord willing, uh, if they stay together when they start to pull them out... (laughs) They won't be here next week when, uh, when you arrive. Um, we are giving them to a small church in Lugoff. Uh, we are delighted that another church family that uh, does not enjoy uh, facilities is going to be able to use them and worship the same God we worship, though they might do it in a very different style. Than, than we. But uh, we're, we're happy that that's going to be the case. But I suspect that some people will drive by and they'll say, well, you know, something looks different over there. I'm, I'm not sure what it is. And then eventually, uh, although I'm sure the Quail Valley people will be rejoicing, but uh, eventually they'll say, well, okay, that, those buildings are gone. Now, I want to ask you two questions. What if not only those trailers were gone, but what if St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church disappeared from Columbia, South Carolina? Would we be missed? And I don't just mean the buildings. Of course, people would notice that. I think the bigger question, even more so than the buildings, is what about our influence? What about our, our witness to our community? Would we be missed? And then here's the second part of that question. When unbelievers realized that St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church had disappeared, would they be happy about it, or would they say, we're going to miss them? These are questions that I asked our session last January in beginning this process of heading toward Vision 2017. It has been a process. We've met many, many hours. We have prayed a great deal concerning this. We have discussed. I have written this document six times. This is the sixth draft. And we believe, as the elders of this church, that God has led us to this. Now, we wanted to be very careful. We didn't want to say, okay, God, this is what we want to be in five years. Now, will You bless us? (coughs) Will You help us to get there? We did not want to go that route. We sought God to ask Him, what is it? What is it that You want us to be? How will we answer that question? of who we are as a church and who we are desiring to be in the future. I was happy when we finally came to the conclusion of writing and rewriting this document. Not that it will never change. It will. But I can't tell you how excited I am to present it to you this week and next week to talk about where we are convinced God wants us to go. And to me, one of the the great confirming things that I've seen even since we adopted this document is how many people in the church have brought up things that are burdens on their heart and so on that I I just kept saying or, or wanting to say, wait till you see Vision 2017, it addresses that. They had a great women's meeting here talking about ideas and needs and that kind of a thing. And and time after time, they were things that we have addressed in here with this and our restructuring of our team and committee ministry. So here we are. Uh, If you're visiting with us, I need to tell you this. I've already told you this isn't where we normally meet. Uh, And by the way, this is the first time we've ever had this kind of crowd in here. We'll figure out the cooling and air and that kind of thing. And if not, we will have fans from the funeral home next week. <laughs> you know, some of you grew up with that. And I couldn't help but think how many ladies through the years have walked out and, and said, it's freezing in there. And so if you average those temperatures with this, it's perfect. (laughs) But we'll get all this figured out. But if you're visiting with us, I wanted to say also that this message is not a a typical message here. We are in the book of Acts. And typically I begin at the beginning of a book and go straight through uh, the Word of God to the end of the book. And we're taking two weeks out to look at this but you will see if you look at the footnotes and with various things that I share that that we are convinced this vision is based squarely upon the Word of God and if anything for you visiting this may give a a better picture into the heart of who we are than than anything so I'm glad you're here if you're visiting here's how we begin we begin it with a confession we are not all that we will be, we're not all uh, yet all we desire to be, but by God's grace and with His strength, this is who we are attempting to become as His church. What makes us different from every other church here in our area, every other church here in Columbia? Well, there's always going to be lots of overlap, lots of things. If, if, all, if all of us are looking at the Word of God, there's going to be lots of things that we have in common, but there's also going to be some unique things. Here is our mission statement. This is not new. Uh, This you've seen on the wall in the gathering place and on the front of our worship guide and so on. Our mission at St. Andrew's is to help people joyfully know Jesus Christ, love Him more, and serve Him better. Now, we are convinced that that's that's a great summary of the Great Commission The great calling that we have as individuals and as a church. You will see this this phrase, know, love, and serve, which is really a summary of the mission statement. You'll begin to see that in various places, too, because we know that while we would love for everybody in the congregation to have memorized our mission statement, not everybody's going to have it memorized But hopefully you can remember if somebody says, well, tell what does your church, what are you about? To know, to love, and to serve. That's what we're about. And then you begin to flesh it out from there. Now, let's start with the mission statement, and then we will get to uh, expanding on that. Um, The it begins with what I consider to be the umbrella word, and that is joyfully. Now, I'm not going to read you all of the Scripture. You can look those up later. There's plenty of uh, Scripture that supports that. But what we say is at St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church, we believe the man's chief end is glorify God and enjoy Him forever. This is <coughs> uh, the answer to the first question of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. As you know, the, the Bible is our authority but beneath the Bible, we have the Westminster Confession of Faith and the, with the larger and shorter catechisms that are questions and answers. And probably our most famous shorter catechism question is this one. What is the chief end of man? And the answer is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. We don't think forever just means once we get to heaven, we'll start enjoying Him. We believe everything that we do as a church, the umbrella over everything should be it should be joyfully. Therefore, it says, we believe that joy should characterize everything we do. Joy denotes the deep and abiding uh, joy of which Paul speaks. Now let me stop there, because when we think of the Apostle Paul, And you think of his joy. He wrote Philippians, the epistle of joy. But he wrote it while he was imprisoned. So when we talk about joy, there's more than one aspect to it. This is one aspect. And that is it's not jumping around like like Snoopy or somebody without any cares in in their mind. But rather saying we have joy in the midst of whatever we face. And that includes trials like the Apostle Paul. So that's one aspect of the joyfully. That's why it can be involved in everything because it should be during all of our life. But there's also the genuine outward joy arising naturally from our relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what it's based on. He wasn't naively joyful. He was joyful because he was conscious. Conscious of his relationship with Christ. And that overrode everything that he faced in this life. And so that's why we begin with joyfully. And then the first phrase, know Jesus Christ. Listen, you've got to listen to the... This is where I'm going to read the Scripture that I told you earlier, to the passion of the Apostle Paul. He had just spoken in this passage of um, all of his human qualifications, all of these things that from a human perspective, someone would say, wow, he's a great guy. And here's what he says right on the heels of his great resume. He says this, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. All those things I just mentioned, they're nothing, they're loss compared to knowing Christ. For His sake I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, But that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. He's saying, This is what it's all about. It's not about my resume, it's not about what I have or could achieve, it's about knowing Christ. That's what matters. <clears throat> this denotes, we say, a relationship, both in the beginning of that relationship, by coming to know Christ as Lord and Savior, and stages of growth throughout one's life as a disciple. We see this as the core of our mission, and it touches every aspect of the church. So everything we do here is in order to know Christ. First, when we meet Him, And then as we get to know him better and better. It's a lifelong pursuit. It's not something you just do one time. And then love him more. Our relationship, for our relationship with Christ to be healthy, it's necessary to continue to grow to love him more. Being a disciple is a continuing process, as should be the ever-growing depth of our love for him. We'll talk more about that especially as we work our way through uh, this statement. And then serve him better. At St. Andrew's because we believe that stewardship of self and time and possessions is a vital growth process in every disciple's life, we seek to assimilate people. In other words, bring bring them in and encourage, educate, and challenge every member to be an active part of the church by using their time and talents for the glory of God. Now, there's a lot in that statement. In all these statements, you need to read them again later. We have a vision, I want you to catch this, for every member ministry. And the reason I, I say that is because you're going to notice as we go through Vision 2017, you're going to see this phrase, every member, over and over again. Every member a minister, every member a worshiper, every member a learner, every member a witness. That's what it is to be a part of St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church. Uh, every member ministry and seek to guide each one into a gift-based passion-driven role in the church in at least one of our major ministry areas. These are the three, worship, teaching, and outreach. Such a role will be carried out joyfully and with excellence. We're going to hit those major ministry areas the rest of today and next week. Um, and notice that gift-based and passion-driven. What we are saying is is this, and uh, as we set our goals One of those goals is for us to discover what our gifts are. How are you going to find your role if you don't know what area you're gifted in? And that's areas that we are uh, working in in the future and near future. Now, uh, below is a a description of how we see our mission applying to those major ministry areas. We're going to focus today just on one area, and that's outreach is how we will help people know Jesus Christ. We wish to touch every family in our area with the ministry of Christ through the gospel so that they might come to know and love Him. That means St. Andrews is an outward-looking church. We will creatively use all kinds of opportunities to introduce people to Christ by building bridges to our community. Now, I'm not going to read all the footnotes to you, but I want to point you to a couple of footnotes. uh, number, number nine, all bridges, because I just mentioned the, the phrase, building bridges to our community, all bridges should be consciously two-way. For our members to go to the community and for our community to come into St. Andrews, draw bridges are not an option. You get it? You see what we're saying? We, we don't want to say, okay, go out there and get them. We want to to say, yeah, go where people are who need Christ. And then we need to make the bridge just as easy going out, just as easy coming in. We don't want it to be, you know, we go out and we say our little thing, then we run in and we say, get the bridge up, get the bridge up. Somebody might be following us and they might not be like us. We don't want that. Uh, This year at our General Assembly, marked 30 years ago when the Reformed Presbyterian Church Evangelical Synod joined the Presbyterian Church in America. Now, I was one of the Reformed Presbyterian pastors. I was ordained in that denomination. And we came in as a whole denomination, just joined the PCA. Uh, back in 1982, uh, there was one aspect of the debate that uh, that I remember, and that was uh, Dr. Francis Schaefer was talking about. Uh, as a denomination, we were considering joining the PCA, and he was talking in a positive way about the PCA. But there was another denomination that was thinking about joining as well, and he wasn't as positive about them. I'm not even going to tell you what <laughs> what the name of that denomination is, but. He said it's like this. Uh, He said that other denomination is like a fortress up on a hill where they're defending the faith and they're doing a good job of that, but they are this big imposing fortress and nobody can get in. The PCA, he said, is characterized more like Iwo Jima. Where they're they're taking the hill and they're planting the flag on top. And he said, We in the Reformed Presbyterian, that's who we want to be. And that's who we want to be as a, a, a church, too. We don't want to be that fortress that is impregnable that nobody can get into, either spoken or for spoken or unspoken reasons. We will design, it says, and be open to niche ministries that are needed in our community, whereby we may minister in the name of Christ. Now, here's what I mean by niche ministries. We mean ones that are unique and not being met in our community. Uh, and again, the footnote, uh, number 10, such as School Time Bible, Crossroads Middle School Focus. We haven't worked out all of that, what more we can be doing over there, but that's a part of our vision is to say, look, God's put us right across the street from this school. And if we're going to touch every family in this area, every family that has a sixth grader goes right through there. That's a place we could touch them. Uh, other niche ministries, uh, special needs ministry perhaps, grief support, counseling, youth, children, families, things like our Palmetto Artist Series. These are things that, that make us unique, but they give opportunity to, for it not to be a drawbridge, but for people to walk in to here and and uh, uh, find a home is our desire. Now remember our question, if St. Andrews were suddenly to disappear from Columbia, would anyone miss us? And if so, what would they miss? That's what we, we've got to answer. We don't need to just try to imitate other churches around here. As I said, there's certain things that all churches will do because The Bible demands it. But then there are other things where there's a a need in our community and it's something that for one reason or another God has gifted us and we can help to touch that need in the name of Christ. And that's what we mean by niche ministries. God has uniquely gifted us in various ways. You know, there was a time where they talked about a parish ministry. Like a pastor would go and he, uh, he would be the, a pastor in a town, and that town would be his parish. I mean, that was it. He, they were all his people, whether they came to church or not, they were his parish. And that's kind of the sense that, that we, we want to have a vision for, and that is look, God, God has put us here. He put us here many years ago. And there's lots of people around here. Some of them have churches, a lot of them don't. We, we need to see this area as our parish. And we're working on trying to kind of define what that parish area is. We are limited, it says, only by the Scripture and our vision. Our desire is for every member of St. Andrew's to be a witness and to share Jesus Christ with those who are without Him or to whom He has become distant. Now let me, let me just say one word about that. In the last five years at St. Andrew's, of the people have joined by profession of faith. That includes youth and adults. 38% have joined by a reaffirmation of faith. And that's people uh, uh, coming from, some coming from other churches, many who haven't been in church in a long time. And then only 23% have joined by transfer from other PCA churches. You know what? That's good. We don't just want to move the sheep around from other PCA churches. You know, we're, we're, we're not into stealing from, you know, other good churches. And so we need to rejoice in that and understand that basically, okay, that's 77% of the people who have joined the church have done it by profession or reaffirmation of faith. And many of those reaffirmations probably were professions. They just happened to have been a member of a church at some point, but they they came here and they, they really began to understand the gospel. And we should rejoice in that. That should be our goal. We desire to equip, encourage, and provide opportunities for our people to help others really know Jesus Christ, and that's serving. Now, when we say we desire for every member to be a witness, those words are carefully chosen. Um, we didn't say we want every member to, to uh, go witnessing. Let me, let me tell you what I mean by that. When, you, when you, you do, when the people that study the gifts of the Spirit, one of the, uh, one of the things I hear over and over, and it's usually right around this number, only about one out of ten people have the gift of evangelism. That's their primary gift, is evangelism. But there are churches that try to treat all of those people as if they have the gift of evangelism. And what can happen with that is they, they can say, okay, Tuesday night is evangelism night or visitation night. You all better be here. If, if you love Jesus, you better be here Tuesday night and then you know what happens on Tuesday night? One out of ten shows up, plus a few others that are particularly sensitive to guilt. <laughs> you know, those that just can't handle and say, okay, I'm coming, I can't do this, but I, I'd rather do that than to hear him say that again, pointed at me. That's, that's not the right way to look at it. That's why we say every member a witness Not going witnessing. Now, if you have the gift of evangelism, you ought to be going out there witnessing. Because you're the one that is probably going to be leading people to Christ. But everyone has the role of being a witness. And that's what we're talking about. For some of you, it may be in your work. For some of you, it may be teaching children. For some of you, it may may be vacation Bible school or music and arts camp or or sharing your musical gifts here. But everyone in this church, every member needs to be a witness. It's a matter of us seeing how God has equipped us to be a witness. Um, We are also... Involved in uh, ministries of mercy in the name of Christ as deeds ministries to complement our words. And uh, we'll flesh that out a little bit. Our fellowship with one another. You might wonder, well, how come fellowship hadn't been mentioned? Well, here's why. Our fellowship with one another, which will be reflected in each major ministry area, should be a unique witness to the world of our love for one another. In other words, everything we do should have a, an aspect of fellowship. So it's not a separate ministry. It's not like, okay, we've, we've done our witnessing, now let's, let's, let's go do fellowship and then we'll go do teaching. Fellowship is involved in all of that is what we're saying. Um, fellowship should be infused in, in every area. Now look at this next phrase then. The need to know Christ goes far beyond personal outreach to our local ministry area. St. Andrew's sees involvement in planting churches as a biblical and effective strategy to see conversions. You know what we find in our denomination, and this is true in in most that are planting churches, you know where most of the conversions are? New churches. New churches tend to have the most conversions, uh, new people coming to Christ. Therefore, we will always be involved with one or more church planting efforts uh, through financial support and direct involvement as local opportunities arise. And we have been. Uh, we are, we're presently helping support a church plant over in Blythewood. Uh, last Sunday, I visited one that for my first several years here, we supported until they became a particular church. In fact, we were their first supporters. Uh, we were on vacation. We attended Three Rivers Presbyterian in Charleston. They are heavy on what we would call mercy ministries because of the area they decided to locate. There's a lot of needs right there on the street, but they also have gotten involved with a halfway house, and uh, they've invested in that. Those that are coming out of prison to a halfway house, and then from there they will go home. Well, it's a big deal to even deal with, with those uh, who have been in prison. It's a it's a high commitment. But here's what I heard last week. We, we were there in worship, and one of the young men who had been in that halfway house, it was his last Sunday there, and they had him get up. They just gave his first name. They had him get up and give his testimony. And it was not a canned testimony. He was not very professional. <laughs> it was great. He got up and he, he said this, He said, I I, want to thank, he named some names of people, some men in the church who came and picked me up every week to bring me here to church. I want to thank them for that. And I want to thank you people here at um, Three Rivers for how you accepted me. He said, it's been a long time since I've been treated like a human being. that brought tears to my eyes. (laughs) And then he said, I want to thank the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And it made me say, thank you, Lord, that St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church had an ever so small part in this to partner. And that something we did for some years is... Paying off, and often it will continue to pay off as they're trying to reach one person at a time. This uh, next paragraph will end with today. Further, we see helping people to know Jesus Christ as including global missions. Now you might say, you're going to shortchange that. Uh, well, we, we talk a lot about missions, uh, and there's a lot in here, but uh, through our denomination and other biblical avenues... We educate about the world, encourage the support of missions and missionaries, and actually participate in missions at home and throughout the world. We desire, and this is what I want us to get to, we desire to be a supporting and sending church. So we're not just going to throw money at at missions, but we also want to send people out, and that goes for short-term and that goes for long term. I told you when I came here that I was going to pray that some of your children would be raised up and go to the mission field. If you don't want me to do that, you don't want me here. I told you that a long time ago. You probably thought, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, some of your kids are going, aren't they? And I'm not the only one praying that. We're, all, we're praying that God will raise up from among us. And I've sent one of my own as well. We want to be a supporting and sending church in order to work towards our purpose to help people know Jesus Christ. While missions is global, we will have focus areas where we go deeper more frequently and support more thoroughly. At this point, it's Bulgaria, England, Haiti, and Ukraine. That's why next Saturday, we're sending another team. This one is going to go to New York City for ministry. I would like for the New York team to come up front. I'd like to come down to you, but I think it's going to be easier for you to come up, just come up here, and if you'll make your way up toward the front... And what you're seeing here is a a very real application of our vision 2017. You can face this wonderful congregation. Now, so far this uh, spring and summer, we have sent people to Spain, Peru, Haiti, Music and Arts Camp, West Virginia, now New York City. Uh, We're going to be commissioning our Vacation Bible School and Operation Compassion. That's dozens and dozens of people. Is there anything more exciting than this? To see these young adults that are taking time away from work, taking vacation time, paying their way, and going and ministering in the name of Christ. Well, let me say this to you, the team. When you go to New York City, and some of you have been there already, here's, uh, you, the needs will look overwhelming. I, I think I said that to the Haiti team, too. But New York City, the needs will look overwhelming. Be Christ to them, because understand that Christ is their greatest need. That may not be apparent. It may look like there's, you know, their their poverty or something else is their greatest need, but Christ is their greatest need, and so you have a brief opportunity to be Christ to them. Mother Teresa, who lived in Calcutta, and she had a great deal of wisdom. I've learned a lot from things that she said. She said, "If you can't feed a hundred people, then feed just one. Never worry about the numbers." Help one person at a time and always start with the one nearest you. There's going to be some that God brings near to you this week. Start with that one. Don't think you can save New York City, but you can be Christ to that one. And this is wonderful advice for all of us, to be Christ to those. Start with the ones nearest you this week. As I close this message, let's pray for this team. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank You for this vision statement that calls us to be witnesses. There are those in front of us, and there have been dozens and dozens over this summer who have taken that so seriously that that they're going and, and being a witness. And Lord, will you use this team as you've used those that have gone before them to New York and you're using those that live there and you've used those on our other teams. Will you give them a unity of spirit in you? Will you enable them to be Christ all the way there and while they're there and all the way back? for all of those divine appointments that you have for each of them. Lord, we look to you for this and we pray for your protection from the evil one, your physical protection as well. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.